love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, I feel like I saw I saw a lot of people in New York City on Instagram, but I had to do a double take because I was like, is Haley in New York City too for Marathon Weekend? Is she continuing her gallivant tour in the off-season around America, going to races, doing fun things? And I was trying to figure out the tie-in with Taylor Swift to this trip, but I don't think there was one on this one. Welcome to New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1989, uh, Taylor's first release. Welcome to New York. <laughs> oh my God, the most obvious tie-in ever and I missed it. Oh, yes. It's okay. It's okay. I was in New York City. Um, I did make a quick little surprise trip there. My sister was going to spectate um, and... So, and one of her best friends was racing. So she actually applied with like two of her to race with two of her best friends, but only one of them got in. So the other two went to uh, cheer and I actually coached the other two. So I was coaching, I coached the guy who raced a uh, Brian and, um, and so it was actually, it was a fun, like impromptu thing where she convinced me to come and was kind of my New York city marathon weekend sponsor. And we had just like an incredible time. I think it was the second I landed, she sent me the Taylor Swift, welcome to New York Taylor's version song. So I could play it on the, on the airplane, which does, it does, it does have a different sound to it when you're actually like landing in New York city, which was pretty cool. But Alyssa, have you ever been in New York city for marathon weekend? I have many, many years ago, gosh, probably 15 years ago or something, because my sister um, lived in Manhattan for a while. And so that was like my ticket to be able to go to marathon weekend and New York City try weekend. Like that was my my reason and excuse. But it's definitely been a while. I generally stay away from large crowds of people and a lot of concrete. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. I loved it. I just had the best time. And I, I haven't been to New York city that many times, but I have over the years, but this is the first time I was there for marathon weekend. And it was just so fun to come out of the hotel on Saturday morning. And there were just runners everywhere. I mean, it's such a big city and you would think that, you know, life would just be going on because even a 50,000 person race is, is like not that big, I guess for New York city, but it was, it felt like runners had taken over New York city. It was so cool. I actually got to go for a little, um, shakeout run in central park. I got to watch the 5k, which was really neat. Um, there's a 5k the day before and I saw Colleen Quigley run by, uh, who has been on our show, which was pretty cool. And just Watch pro runners run by was pretty neat. And then uh, I did a shakeout with Brian and also Caroline Shannon, who uh, was on the women's performance podcast. And uh, so I got to chat with her and uh, she gave a little tour of Central Park, which was also very, very nice to have someone who actually like knows Central Park with you because it's, I mean, you can kind of figure it out, but there are like different paths and um, there were a lot of like gates and stuff up for the marathon and it was very crowded, but we did a lot of like, um, celebrity spotting my sister and I names from the bachelor and Ooh. his mom, they were out cheering for the 5k. Wow. That's <laughs> a good, his mom was on the golden bachelor. Like. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> yes, we were so excited. Like we were just having breakfast and we saw some celebrities already. I saw Kellen Taylor running in Central Park. Okay, that's, a, that's a celebrity I think I would re- have recognized. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just cool. She was running the opposite direction when uh, Caroline and I were running and uh, doing her own shakeout before the race. And I think she ended up, she ended up seventh or eighth um, in the race. I think eighth. Yep. Eighth, yeah, eighth place and in Molly Huddle was ninth, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, um, cool to see her back, you know, had a baby a year ago and, and just back racing. And, uh, and then I'm trying to think, Oh, we saw another, we saw my hand and I saw a famous, uh, hockey player at dinner. And the reason we spotted him, cause he's like seven, two. And we were, and I was like, I think that guy's famous. <laughs> and, and they looked it up cause he was marathon and it was like she had a list of like the famous people running the marathon. Um, and so I forgot his name. I'm not a big hockey fan, but we did Wayne Gretzky. It was not Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> That's the only hockey name I know. <laughs> um, but I think he was like a Long Islander, or like, or is that the, the New York Long Islanders? Uh, is that? I think so. <laughs> I think that it sounds right. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was just really neat. Um, and this is before the race had even started. So it was, uh, it was cool. Just the vibe of the city was so fun. It just felt like these are my people. And, um, I mean, there was definitely a part of me that wished I was racing, but just because it was, uh, you know, I am not really in marathon race shape, but I was like, I could go be part of this. Um, if, but obviously couldn't quite get a bid, but I did, um, you know, we did actually have a pretty aggressive, uh, spectating plan, which so that, that, yeah, that's what I'm eager to hear because it's a tough, you know, it involves a lot of movement. That is one of my memories of like, yeah, running the streets of New York as a spectator, trying to get to a few different points. Well, one really nice thing was actually like that the time change happened. And so you get an extra hour of sleep and then the race, I think the, I think the wheelchair race started, it says start like 8am. Like it was mm-hmm. fairly late. It and so yeah, it started right at eight. Yeah. So you don't have to start crazy early. We didn't go out to the start in Staten Island, of course, but we took um, a couple of trains. We were staying near Midtown. And so we took a couple of trains over to Lynn and stop. We stopped actually around the 13 mile mark. So right around the half marathon mark. And we got to see the wheelchair race come by, um, which is just very cool because we've interviewed, I think a few of the wheelchair and hand cycle athletes and para try mostly, but it's really fun to see them in person. And just as someone who loves like gear, um, you know, just seeing the different chairs is really, really cool. And just seeing how hard they were working and getting to see, um, these athletes, Catherine DeBrunner was so far in the lead, um, in person was just really fun. And I think she ended up, she broke the record. I think she was like fourth overall for men and women. I mean, so far ahead. Um, and, and it was just, yeah, it was really, really fun to watch that. And then we actually got back on the train and went further south in Brooklyn. And, um, we were able to see some of the people we were cheering for Brian and a few other people at mile, we were around mile six and we hopped on the train, got up to like mile nine as some again, hopped on the train, got back up to mile 13, some again. And then, then it got a little bit trickier, like out, out of Brooklyn, it got a little, little has a friend, um, named Jessica, who was, who was there, who lives in Brooklyn who helped us kind of navigate the trains up to, uh, the Bronx. We were hoping to see him one more time at like around 15, but we weren't quite fast enough. And then we made it up to the Bronx and we were actually hoping to, um, run into like Peloton crew was up there. Uh, like a lot of the Peloton instructors, they had a DJ in a tent. And so we had a tip that they were there, but they were gone by the time. Oh, shoot. (laughs) They were like, like, I know it actually made me think, uh, earlier this year when we had, uh india on on the show and she talked about how like 
these cheer groups should like stay out longer mm-hmm. for like all the runners. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to say you have like a cheer station, because I'm, but I'm like, they do it for the Instagram, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, so we didn't get to see all the Peloton instructors and their dogs. Um, I think Laura Wassner had been there. I saw from her stories. I think she was there hanging with them, but, uh, um, but we did, um, we did get to see Brian run by at mile 20 and then we made it back to, uh, 25, like near central park. So it was just, it was actually like, I, we saw him a lot. I mean, the three cheers for public transportation, if you kind of know what you're doing and, um, are willing to kind of hustle, but it was, it's really cool too, because you like, you kind of get off the, the subway or the train and then you can like hear the cheering and you're like, I'm in the right spot. <laughs> Go up and you get to see the cheer. And I feel like I got a little mini tour of New York. I haven't, I haven't spent that much time in New York city. So I did, I went to, um, you know, different boroughs. And I think that that was kind of neat to see, you know, to get off the train and realize like, Oh, it's so different here. And it looks so different. And, and then all, but everywhere was just runners and it was just the coolest and so many spectators. And, Oh, I mean, congratulations to everyone who raced. It was a beautiful, beautiful day and just really cool experience. Yeah. It looked like a really nice day for a marathon from the coverage. I did watch most of it. I, I watched the women's race. Um, and then it was, it was funny to like flip between your story and also see the coverage happening. I'm like, Oh, Haley's there now. Oh, Haley's there now. Um, but it, I feel like it does also someone who doesn't live in a place where there's a infrastructure for public transit. It always feels like a small miracle when like I'm able to use that and it all like works really well. And I feel like there is no better place than New York to do that, but that's a really fun weekend. I'm just super, super pumped that you are really making the most of this off season time and like going around with athletes and getting to races to cheer for them and all of that stuff. It's like definitely things that kind of fill you up for and like help kind of get through the, the post-race time period. Yeah, I, I, I do has been really good for me. Um, I was really inspired. It was, a, it was a smaller pro women's field for only 15 athletes, but I was really inspired by watching them and, and, and getting to see, you know, Helen O'Beary and, um, Edna Kiplagat and, and Molly Huddle and, and Kellen Taylor. I mean, it was just like, uh, it, it was so cool get to getting to see some of these athletes because I'm a huge fan of the sport and I do love watching these major marathons. And so getting to see them in person and seeing what that that hat go by was so neat um I did have to watch a replay of the women's finish which was so exciting um because I I wasn't in Central Park then but it was the set it was it's cool now to also kind of have a context of of what that looks like in person um and and I do think even me as an athlete like I think watching other people race is just so inspiring to me and it helps me feel better about myself in a way and um I think you know, it helps me appreciate what I'm able to do as an athlete, even though I'm not necessarily racing that race. I'm just like, I have so much admiration for everyone in that race. And, and it helps me be like, wow, I, I really enjoy being a part of this community. And I really enjoy, uh, you know, being fit and healthy enough that maybe someday I will run New York city marathon. I would love to do that. And so I think, um, it's good to have goals like that as well. So, so thank you to everyone who, who was there, who inspired me. It was, it was a really, really, good experience for me. And I think helps me, you know, transition when I transition back into more of an on season, um, I'll have these experiences to kind of draw from and, and know why I'm out there, why I'm training and why I'm getting myself on a start line. Definitely. Definitely. That's super exciting. I have to say my week here in Vermont was not nearly as excited as heading to New York, but I do feel like Haley, I've passed the eight week mark in my recovery from 
my knee surgery, I have had, I'm having that time where like one day I'm very hopeful. The next day I'm like, this hurts probably more than it should. I think I'm pushing it too hard. What am I doing? Right. And I'm going back and forth, back and forth because I am at the stage now where I'm allowed to like start building a bit more and like do a little bit more quote risky behavior, which I'm calling risky behavior is like a 10 minute walk. Right. So, um, and it's, it's scary. Right. And it's, it's just such a good exercise and how like mental things can be and how your mind can direct so much of what you're feeling and kind of all of that. And so, but I do feel like I am, I've turned that corner a little bit to be like, okay, I am now noticing, you know, I've strung together five or six days of like doing some progressive walking and, um, you know, just trying to like, I feel like now I've done enough of those days where I'm starting to be like, okay, I am now like waking up and feeling better than I was five or six days ago with my knee. Right. Like I'm definitely kind of, I'll be at that like week over week to see like the improvements. And so that's giving me some confidence that like, I'm not pushing it too much by doing some 10 minute walks here and there. And, um, you know, it is trending in the right direction and feeling good. Like, you know, when I am getting up in the morning and things like that. So I'm feeling encouraged. I still feel like I have quite a ways to go, obviously, to get back to any sense of like normal behavior for myself. But um, it is, you know, this has just been such an unknown for me that I am just really happy that it seems to be moving in the right direction. I've started to work in some more normal activities, like some more normal strength work and things like that. I think um, I'm excited to see how that can progress through the month because by December, I'm allowed to start like doing some workouts on some specific exercise machines that don't involve running, <laughs> but that will be an exciting time. And so like now I'm trying to build to that time period. And so I think it's, I think it's moving in the right direction, but it was, you know, another full weekend of racing to get to watch and like keep that inspiration going with New York city marathon, Ironman, Florida, um, getting racing to Ironman Florida. I was definitely racing and I, yeah, yeah. I was, my phone was definitely, I like was maximum using tracker for New York city marathon, trying to like take pictures, Instagram. I think that's why my Instagram stories did drop off after because <laughs> I'm like, because I have all the trackers. I'm like, I have a battery. I was going to navigate this uh, subway system, but wow. What kind of racing that was at Ironman Florida sky Monch, 822. I mean, incredible, incredible. Only three weeks after Kona. That was wild. Congratulations to Sky. Yeah. India Lee was second and the third place. Jocelyn. Do you remember? Jocelyn, Jocelyn McCauley. Oh yeah. The Americans um first and third there. I think in the men's race too is first and third, maybe. So um uh, that might not be right. Someone I think can... you're right. No, I think you're okay. right. Okay. Okay. Bumberg and Matthew Markhart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, good job, me. I remembered correctly. Um, but no, I think that was yeah, incredible racing to watch. And I think we got to see. Um, you know, like I think I saw Lauren Brandon's post, like she wasn't, you know, super pumped about her day in Kona. So it was good to see her bounce back. I think she was sixth place at Ironman Florida and put together a solid day there. So it's always kind of a fun double to watch, like who's going to do that and how's it going to go. And, um, it's nice when it does work out well for people like Lauren and Sky and, um, Jocelyn to have great days there where, yeah, they can, they can be strong and, I think hopefully now they're ready for off season is my hunch. So, um, Haley, I have been digging into the mailbag this week and coming up empty. So, oh, so, so this is our call to listeners that if you have questions, um, now is the time, this time of year, I feel like always gets a lull in the mailbag 
question asking because people are going into off season. Maybe you're, you don't have as many questions, but I bet if you give it some thought, you will think of some. If we get a lot of them, I'd love to even collect them for like a holiday mailbag episode, something like that. So send them in. Um, let us know what you want. Let us know anything. I, you know, and then just ask a question. <laughs> We're here for it, basically. Ironwomen at gmail.com. Oh yeah, that's important. Um, that's the address sent. <laughs> Send in your questions. And, uh, but Alyssa, the, okay, it is, we, we allude to off season, but it is actually championship season for members of the NCAA because that's what's happening this weekend in Tempe Town Lake at, uh, in Tempe, Arizona. The women's NCAA triathlon national championship is happening sprint distance, draft legal. I mean, are you excited? What do you, I mean, have you, do you, have you followed any of the NCAA triathlon? Do you know that, um, we have a NCAA triathlete on staff here at so, Feisty? Yes. I have followed enough to know that Lydia will be, will be there. She will be, um, part of the event. And I think that that's about as much as I know. And so I'm excited to find out more. <laughs> yeah. Lydia Russell is our, is our editor. She's the editor here at Iron Women. She's also, uh, I think she has other roles within the Feisty Media uh, family, but excited to cheer her on. She's a member of the University of Arizona Wildcat team and they, it's just, this is their inaugural season. So, I mean, I know Alyssa, you did, you did sports in college and I mean, can you imagine being like on an inaugural team. Like I just relied so much on, on the older athletes and having captains. And I, I learned so much from them and I just really admire the athletes who are, who will step into these inaugural teams where it's, it's very impressive. It is. Yeah, it is. And I think that, you know, it takes, a lot of like courage. It takes a lot of like probably picking up where there might not be resources and stuff like that yet. I think it takes a lot of being willing to put yourself in into the unknown, which is probably a, like signs of really great potential in athletes, right? Because that's sometimes what racing is about. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm excited to, to chat with Lydia today. So I did, I chatted with Lydia earlier today. Um, she gave up some of her race week time to to tell me more about what it's like what it's like to be on this inaugural team uh she told me about her training how why she decided to to become an ncaa triathlete and and what we should look for this weekend if we're happen to be in tempe or if we're following online and watching it for those women at the NCAA show we will have with lydia right after the break Hi, Lydia. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So I say welcome back because you were part of our post-race Ironman Coeur d'Alene show. Uh, you were in Coeur d'Alene as a spectator and you did help me pull off that post-race show with uh, Sharon McNary, who uh, also raced in Coeur d'Alene. She did also race in Kona. I feel like I should provide an update to our listeners that Sharon raced in Kona and she did finish. Um, so congratulations to Sharon. But you were part of that show and we, we got to know you a little bit, but I think that this week it's going to be really fun to have you on to learn a little bit more about you, especially in the context of this weekend's collegiate triathlon national championships. Uh, they're happening in Tempe, Arizona this weekend. So can you tell us how you ended up on the university of Arizona triathlon team this year? 
Uh, yeah, so it was definitely something that I did not expect to happen. Um, like as as you and Alyssa would say, it was not something I had on my bingo card for uh, for 2023. But um, yeah, I was training like half the time, two thirds of the time in Tucson, and I stopped working with my previous coach. And I knew Wes, um, the coach at Arizona from uh, U23 Worlds last year, so I kind of reached out to him just to see if I could train with his group um because he had some guys training here he wasn't um the U of A team hadn't started yet but he was already down here so I kind of reached out to him and he was like well sure but um what if you joined the team I was at the time I was pretty against it I was like mm, I don't I don't know how I feel about that and then I talked to some people and I don't know everyone seemed to think it was a good idea so I was like okay I'll just take a chance and try it out and see what happens so were yeah. you already a student then at the University of Arizona or did that get you to enroll? No, that got me to enroll. I was kind of like taking a break from school, I guess you would say at that point. I was not taking classes anywhere. Okay, because previously I think you had run at Oregon and New Mexico. Do I have that right? Yeah. And so you left you left those programs and you were pursuing triathlon, but at the world triathlon draft legal level right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So this was a big move. So it meant, it meant enrolling in school. Um, had you graduated or I, I'm just, just trying to figure out the eligibility here. So you had run only a couple years as you don't even a couple years as a student athlete runner, but did you graduate or were you still, are you still getting an undergraduate degree? No, I'm still doing my undergraduate degree. And also I never, I was injured at Oregon and New Mexico. So I never actually raced in the NCAA. So, okay. I only lost one year of eligibility due to like not being active in classes because it's still like a five-year clock but yeah I, I had never actually raced so I'd done two years of undergrad and one year of just nothing at all. So this was a really unexpected second chance at collegiate athletics. Yeah definitely. And what what is it like being a part of a first year sport at a university? Because this was this is the first year that U of A has a women's triathlon team at the NCAA level. And so what is that like? It's really fun. I mean, it it kind of sometimes feels like people on campus are like like seeing a unicorn for the first time. It's like, oh, they really do exist. Like, really? So there's like, like a vibe on campus, like you're known. I mean, not on campus, not like random students, but people in the athletic department or other student athletes are like, oh, you're the triathlon team or obviously because group rides are really big in Tucson as well. So on the group rides, they're like, oh, that's who you are. And they're like, yeah, we exist. Because I think it was in the making for so long that everyone kind of heard about it. But then it took a long time for us to all actually be here and for it to really be a tangible thing do you celebrate like milestones as like the first, this is the first, first ever, you know, do we, do we call them meets? Um, what is it? Race competition for this team ever. I mean, I, I, you, you ran at very storied programs. I come from a storied swim program and a lot of it was like maintaining streaks, right? Like maintaining our home win streak, but you get to be the first, you get to be at the very first home race at the very first away race. Um, and then this weekend at the very first national championship for this program in history, what is that like? It's really special. And I mean, I think we're all super aware of it. And I think that makes it even more special. Like we're all so into it and so invested and we're really like happy, um, just like peppy group, I guess you would say. So I think just ever like, like 
it would be fun even if it wasn't the first of everything with this group of people but I think just because everyone's so happy to be here it's like everything's magnified times 10. And then did you know any of the other women on the team before you got there? Because usually you'd go to a recruiting trip, you'd kind of get to know some of the people um, and and the coach, but that obviously you couldn't go and meet existing athletes. You had, everyone was brand new. So did you know anyone ahead of time? Um, I had met a lot of them, some of them through world triathlon racing. Um, my one teammate is Canadian, so I'd raced her a couple of times and then so there are 10 of us total. Three of us, or th- yeah, three were already at the U of A. Um, two had been on the swim team and one was on the track team. So I had met them, but didn't really like know them. Um, and yeah, a couple of them I met over the summer at a race in Italy, but just briefly. So no, I didn't like know anyone super well. And how does the team dynamics work? Because usually you have, you know, upperclassmen and uh, captains and people who have been there before and really know. I mean, do you, do you have captains? I mean, is that something that is happening or is everyone just kind of learning as they go? Um, we don't have like designated captains, but I mean, I'd say we have one scene, like one graduating senior next year so, or she's graduating in the spring. So I'd say she's kind of like a leader and I'd say I've definitely stepped into a leadership role um but yeah no there's there's not any like specific leaders but I think everybody kind of has their moments and it's nice because some of the girls are like super international like barely spoke English before they decided to come here and like had to learn English to come here so yeah there's a whole various array of different people and like their comfortability level within the United States and within training in Tucson like I know it super well because I've been training here for just about a year now. So. Okay. And how many, how many women are on the team? It's 10 total right now. 10. Okay. That's pretty, I mean, because I think, uh, you know, at the nationals, I think seven, seven will travel. Right. And so, yeah. Um, I mean, which I imagine is hard for the coach to pick those seven. Um, and that's like one of those definitely good problems to have probably. Cause you, if you have more than seven who are capable of racing there, but definitely a challenge that's coming up. Um, how does it compare for you uh, compared to like your, I know you were injured when you were a run only student athlete. How does that compare trying to balance swim, bike and run? Is it different? Um, It's different in some ways, but I mean, also it's, I think it's, it's not that different because I was doing it before, but I don't know. It definitely is hard with like, I, I take all my classes online. So that's really nice because I don't have to balance like class times or anything. Um, like they'll say, oh, does anybody have a class conflict with like, if we move this practice and I'll joke and say like, oh yeah, my professor, the couch at my apartment might have an issue with that time change. Um, but yeah, for me, it's really chill. Um, for some people who have class, I think it is hard because with running, I mean, at most you're doing like two sessions a day. So I think that's easier, like morning and afternoon. Whereas when you have that third session that you've like fit in between classes, that can be pretty challenging, but I think everyone manages to make it work. Do you all meet up for all of your sessions? No, not for all of them. Um, A lot of my stuff I'll do on my own. Like I live like right by the bike path. So a lot of like runs or like easy rides I can do right from my house. Um, But yeah, we meet up for most of our swims. I would say like that's the big thing that we all do together. But then also like long runs, long rides. And we do a lot of like um, short course racing specific stuff, which we also meet up for. 
Yeah, I think I've seen some of the um, the drills that y'all have been doing um, posted on social media. But you mentioned that you were already you were already training for triathlon. You were training for the World Triathlon, uh, what we used to call ITU draft legal races, the Olympic pipeline, and you have been able to balance some of those races with your collegiate season. So how do you manage that racing on both circuits at the same time? Yeah, it works pretty well because the collegiate season is pretty short and it's just in the fall. So um, for this year, since we had enough girls on the team, my coach just didn't have me race until I was done with my world try races for the year. So I just raced America's Champs and U23 Worlds, which did coincide with two races um, for the NCAA season. But he just had me not race those. And then I continued on to race regionals and I'll race nationals. So that works pretty well. And then the majority of the world try season is spring and into the summer. So it's, it's a pretty good balance. And then the world, or sorry, the collegiate season ends right when, like right before Thanksgiving, which is when the world try season ends. So you still get your break and everything. And then are a lot of your teammates, are they doing something similar, even athletes who are, are from other countries and who are racing on the world try circuit, trying to make their own Olympic teams? Yeah, they're definitely, they'll be racing in the spring and summer as well. Um, one of my teammates, Laura, she's from Hungary. She um, she went to Spain with me for U23 World. So that was fun to have two of us there. No, that is, uh, I have a lot of action happening at my house today. Sorry for the dog barking, but uh, um, it's, just, it's um, you know, Cowboy's been home alone for a little bit, but uh I, what are your long-term goals? Is your long-term goal to to be in that Olympic pot pipeline? Is that kind of how you're using the collegiate season to to get more racing in, to be part of a team, to have that coaching and the resources of a university and continue working toward that Olympic goal? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I know like aerobically, I'm kind of where I need to be to be at the top of the like world tri scene, but I think just the experience and the racing experience is something I'm really lacking because I only came into it um at the beginning of 2022 so not even two years yet so it's really nice just to have the team and like be able to get this experience where we do all the practices practicing ITU style racing because my goal ultimately will be LA in 2028 and yeah hopefully 2032 as well where's that Australia Australia I think I do believe that's in Australia so I know it's it's wild because these things sound like they're so far away, but now LA 2028 feels so close. I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I've already reserved um, a friend's couch so I can go spectate. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but collegiate racing is it's scored like a cross country meet with the, you know, you'll take seven, seven women in the race, top five finishers from each team reserve, receive as many points as their position and the low score wins. When you race a world triathlon race, you are representing Team USA, but there isn't this scoring that's similar to the collegiate triathlon. So do you have a different mindset and different tactics when you're in a college race, knowing that what you are trying to do is like minimize that spread, get as few points as possible and and be one of those top five scoring athletes and represent your school? Um, It definitely is. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of lucky in a way because almost like my mindset doesn't have to be too different because I'm not like the strongest of the swimmers. I think for the swimmers, they have to kind of have a different mindset that they're not just swimming for themselves to get to the front of the pack. That like, cause you start in a box with your team, like a cross country race. So it is like, you want to figure out exactly how you're going to swim so that like the slower swimmers in the back can get the most draft. And my team has a ton of really strong swimmers. So I think for them, like 
they definitely have to adjust and be like, okay, we're not necessarily like just like going all out. Like we have to make sure people are staying with us too. Um, but yeah, for me, my strength is the run. I mean, the run is kind of the same, like just go as hard as you can make up as many spots. But I think there is still more motivation on the run. Like at regionals, I didn't have a great race, um, like on the swim and the bike, but then on the run, I was able to have a lot more, I think just fire still behind me because I was like, oh, I need to get these spots for my team. And I did end up passing a lot of people on that run. And like, I knew I was doing it for them. It wasn't just for me. Can you talk a little bit about the pre-race vibe at a collegiate race? Because that is unique to step, be in a box with your teammates before the start. Um, because when you are, when you're racing for team USA, it's like numbers, right? So you could all be spread out. So you are actually like chatting, talking to each other. Um, is, does that camaraderie kind of help? Is it fun to be standing next to people you, you train with and who you share this common bond with before the start? Yeah, it's definitely a lot like less stress than um, a world try race because you have like I have my best friend standing right next to me like you know it feels like any other day of practice and also like also I know on the swim start they're not gonna like beat the shit out of me because they are on my team at the end of the day so that's nice I feel a little bit more I feel a bit more physically safe that is a good point. I didn't even think about that one, but that is, yeah. Some of these swim starts are very aggressive. I haven't heard from, you know, age groupers in Kona, at the all women's Kona talking about the aggressive swim start. So it can help to have a friend nearby. So you mentioned that West regional, you finished 15th. You did have the fastest run split in the field, 1748 for that 5k. Congratulations. And the yes. university of Arizona team did finish fourth behind ASU, TCU, and the university of San Francisco. Uh, you kind of you kind of alluded to how you felt about your own results, but how did you feel about your team's results? Um, I think we definitely know we're capable of more, but it was a good step. Um, when they raced at TCU earlier in the year, I think they definitely I wasn't there, but I think they definitely came up short of where they wanted to be. And I know our coaches were super happy with the improvement in execution from TCU to regionals. So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone was happy with it. It was definitely a good step in the right direction, but I think we know we have more in us. Yeah. And I think there's about four weeks in between that regional and the national championship. So, uh, when you evaluate your own performance, were there certain things that you then were like, okay, I need to work on this. And, um, but I mean, you have to be kind of happy with that run split. Yeah. Just if that run split had happened, but from like one bike group up in the race, it would have won me the race instead of getting 15th. So that was a little disappointing, but what happened was I had a decent swim. It wasn't terrible. And then, um, I got into T1, took my wetsuit off. It was super cold. They had these tiny, tiny boxes for our wetsuit. So I like shoved it into that and then just went brain empty, no thoughts and grabbed my bike without putting my helmet on. So I totally, I totally lost the chase pack. It was like, I would say it was one of the stupidest things I've ever done in a, in a triathlon, but it's definitely it's, it's up there, but I've done some pretty stupid things in transition. So Oh, that's so, so hard. I, I mean, I don't think people realize how chaotic it can be in transition, even though there's things that you practice. I mean, I watched Jan Ferdano forget to take his swim skin off in Milwaukee and, you know, he's been doing this for decades and so it, it can happen, but that is, oh, that is a costly time mistake. Yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. Cause I was right there, um, with one, like, one of my friends from San Francisco, she was right there next to me in transition. So I think that's what I was focusing on. I was like, Oh, I got to go with her. I know she's really strong on the bike. She ended up in the lead group on the bike. So yeah, that was, that was a bummer, but 
fixable mistake. Yes. Redemption this weekend. That's a, that's an easy one to check off. And like, what if you, once you get on the bike and you have a helmet on, you'll be like, okay, I'm already doing better than last time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Queens university won the East regional. They were followed by Denver and then two division two teams, Lenore Ryan and Wingate in third and fourth. And so it is my understanding that there's a new system for this year's nationals where the race won't be split by division. Instead, there'll be an A heat and a B heat. So you can have division one, division two, I guess even division three teams racing each other head to head. Uh, I think that the thought process behind that would be to make the race faster than ever to get those fast division two athletes racing with division one. Uh, do you think that that change will impact the race? Um, it definitely could in terms of like bike groups and going around one eighties and stuff, because I think just the NCAA in general, like all three divisions, there are so many strong swimmers. So I think just like adding to the number of people who are coming out in the front of the race could definitely change things because it's just more people to go around the technical section. So I don't know if that'll like break it up more, like big groups will get broken up into a lot more smaller groups or how that will work, but it could definitely change things. But then again, I wasn't at NCAAs last year, so it'll all be new to me either way. I read that there'll be 99 women on the start line in the A heat this weekend, uh, which is a huge number. Do I have that right? And I mean, are there any specific tactics that you can share that you might be using for navigating a huge start list? Uh, I think it was the same at regionals. It was something like close to 100 girls on the start line. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're in the middle of that many people, you're in the middle of that. Like, it doesn't really matter if it's 20 or 100. Being in the middle of a ton of people is crazy. So yeah, I'll just be trying to stay with my team and hopefully... Hopefully they get us out fast. I mean, cause that's a lot bigger than the average world triathlon race, right? Yeah. World try tends to be like 60 ish. Okay. Still, still. So you're used to it. No big deal. Uh, you yeah. mentioned that, you know, you live and train in Tucson, which is only about two hours away from the championship race venue in Tempe, Arizona. Have you had a chance to preview the course in Tempe? Uh, we haven't gone up to it yet. I did, um, like a splash and dash race last year that I think the run course is the same. So I do know what that is, but we've been um, watching a video that someone sent us of like someone took on a GoPro, like going around the course at age group nationals. So we've been studying that and like doing some visualization. Like we watched the beginning of that and then visualize. And so we've definitely done some recon, but just not in person. Yeah. Is there anything you can share anything that's unique or special about this course? Um, not really. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty straightforward. There's some 180s, um, some uphills, but not that steep. They say it's pretty fast going down into transition. It's three loops. So apparently it's a steep downhill going through transition, but there's three loops on the bike. Is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then is it loops as well on the run? It's a great question. It's probably probably two laps about like out and back ish. Cause that's what, that's what a normal sprint is, but. Okay. Know. So pretty spectator friendly. I know Tempe town Lake, it, it like what for Ironman Arizona is often very cold. Will this be a wetsuit swim for you or is it non-wetsuit? I feel like if some of the pictures I've seen from previous years showed it was non-wetsuit. I think it, I think it tends to be wetsuit. I know last week when we checked the temperature, it wasn't quite wetsuit yet, but it has been cooling off a good bit in Arizona. So 
Yeah. I think right now we're counting on it being wetsuit, but we'll see. Hopefully they give you a bigger box to throw that in there. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and so I, I was reading that the College Triathlon Coaches Association or CTCA announced a national ranking system for both teams and individuals during the season. And I'll save that specific rankings discussion for our outro since I know um, races and especially triathlons aren't one on paper. And I don't, I don't think we need to necessarily talk about uh, your specific rankings and how you feel about them unless you want to, but, but how do you feel about the rankings in general? Like having, having these rankings out there, do you think it kind of helps the sport helps uh, uh, fans kind of have a, a, you know, a, a metric to, to keep engaged throughout the season. I know that other sports, uh, collegiate sports, obviously that it's a big deal when those rankings comes out, come out every week. Um, I mean, do you, do you like the rankings? Do you guys talk about them at all or do you just ignore them? Um, I mean, I think it's probably kind of the same for everyone. Like you talk about them if they're good and well, the thing with triathlon is there's so few teams, so few people compared to any other like NCAA sports. So, I mean, to an outsider who doesn't know NCAA triathlon, we're ranked like fourth or whatever in the region. It seems really good, but there's not that many schools in the region. So I don't know. I think they're useful for what they're worth, like for getting publicity out there and being like, oh, look at us, we're doing this. But I think at the end of the day, there's so few people, so few teams, and especially so few races. Like the rankings were based on, I mean, until right now, the rankings are based on two races. So that's not really anything like you would get in any other sport. So I think that is definitely a fault. I mean, the whoever's making the rankings, they can't help that. They're doing the best with what they have. But I think that definitely does affect it. But like also the top athletes are never racing. Like there's not that much crossover. Like the East Coast athletes are doing their races. The West Coast athletes are doing their races, but there's never like any crossover until nationals. So you can't really judge how the rankings are actually going to play out until like until it all comes together at nationals. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I also thought the individual rankings were interesting because I know that certain athletes haven't even raced. Like they won't, they, they won't race until the national championship. Um, you know, that's a, a possibility. I think last year's defending champion. Um, do I have that right? Amber, mm-hmm. uh, she from, I don't know, I'm gonna butcher her last name, Schleibusch from yeah. uh, ASU. She hasn't actually raced in any NCAA races this year. So yeah. uh, obviously not included in those rankings, but someone to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like for me, like I've only raced once, so, and it wasn't, wasn't my finest work. So yeah, I think the rankings are definitely not, not reflective. Of yeah. What it's like when, can do. when you're, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm just biased, but I think it's a good bias to have because that's like always like where you're trying to beat your bib number kind of thing um, in Ironman racing. Sometimes that can be kind of fun. We were like, no, they put me too low. Um, and so earlier this year, I did chat with Kennedy Colcagno from TCU, and she talked about the name image likeness or NIL deals in triathlon and NCAA triathlon. And so I was curious if you were working with any brands or trying to make some money to support yourself with any NIL deals this year. Um, not yet. I've, I don't know. It's kind of been on the back burner a little bit. Um, I have some like discounts I get at places, which is kind of an NIL deal, but that kind of happened before I was even racing for U of A. Um, but yeah, I just really haven't had the time to pursue that yet. I've been, been busy with school and training and traveling and all my stuff I do for feisty. So yeah, it's been hard to have time to figure all that out. 
I know. Well, we appreciate what you do for feisty. We can call me. We can, uh, if we need to work out something with Sarah on, uh, on that branding you a little heavier, but, uh, what about social media in general as, you know, as a young athlete, like things like Instagram didn't exist when I was a collegiate athlete. And, um, I think, you know, like, do you feel pressure to, to put yourself out there on social media and to post a lot? Um, you know, or, or is that, is that something you talk about as a team? Um, I mean, I'd say I'm someone who's pretty inclined to like post and talk about my journey in general. And I feel like there are a lot of like younger girls, especially from the area that I'm from or like who know who I am, who follow me and who kind of look up to me. So, but I, I wouldn't say I feel pressure because of that. Like I definitely want to be posting and kind of sharing my journey. So yeah, we don't really talk about it as a team and nobody has to post anything, but I mean, I think we're all really proud of our team and everybody wants to post about it. So, yeah, I, I was just curious because I had seen some of the videos I mentioned earlier about, uh, I think, you know, working on transitions or something like that. So I didn't know if there was like a photo day or something like that. Or do you know when they're filming when for the team or for promos for University of Arizona? Does that thing kind of thing ever happen? Um, there are like there are photographers that will come sometimes. And when we had I was speaking of first when we had our like first official practice of the year that was huge we had photographers and they did interviews and that was that was crazy but um yeah for the most part no the coaches will just whip out their phones every now and then but there are photographers the photographers at Arizona are amazing I will give them some credit for that they make everybody the time they're they know what they're doing so it is fun when they come because the content's always great yeah and then do they give that to you so you can share it on your own social profiles yeah, they just send it to us. That we have like an app that um they can put all the photos in. So they just send them to us through that. And yeah. Does that change up your workout at all? I mean, I guess you don't have a lot to compare it to, but um I'm just curious, like as you know, sports can be such a marketing event for uh for a university. And so I was curious at how the university is is working to help help you create content that also helps them. Yeah, they haven't really like come for a lot of sessions we did like team photos and before worlds Laura and I got had some photos taken with the flags which was really cool so they're very willing to like work with us and kind of do what we need um we do have the idea of doing an underwater photo shoot at some point after nationals so photographer the photographer said trying that out so we might even try and get a bike underwater do some something cool with that so that would be fun they're definitely very like open to working with us and doing whatever kind of photos we want. So yeah, use those resources. I'd love to see that. And I, I, you know, the whole world would as well. What does your season look like after nationals? You mentioned you get, it sounds like you get a little bit of a break, but knowing you have these spring races that uh, are not necessarily collegiate races, but it sounds like you will be still training with the team. And um, like, how does that work? Uh, yeah. So I'll take about two weeks of like, not completely off, but just like unstructured. I can do whatever I want. So I'll probably do some trail running and I'm going to Bermuda for Thanksgiving. So I'll do some water sports. Um, so do that for two weeks and then, yeah, just right back into training. I mean, it'll probably, we'll probably ease into it, but yeah, I know I'm going to have some serious double swims a lot of the week over the winter to try and improve that swim speed. So yeah, it'll definitely be like a decent bit of training in the winter, but it'll be fun. 
So it is. So, and that's with the team, like you'll all still be together. And I know that NCAA has like rules on, on like how much, how many hours you all can spend together, but, or, or do you do some on your own as well? Yeah, it'll be some on our own. I think there's definitely restrictions on what they can do. So I think we're going to have off for a certain amount of time and then it might be like optional, but yeah, they can only have so many like practice days a year. So they decided like during the kind of winter break time would be our time off. So then once January hits, we can really be like back into full steam ahead preparing for spring races. But um, there are some rules, like if you're on your country's national team, the NCAA decides you're not limited in terms of how many hours you can do. So a lot of us are on our country's national team, though, or if you like represent them for like U23s or something. Um, so yeah, then we're not restricted in terms of the hours we can do and the practices we can have. So even if we can't like practice with a team, I can still have one of the coaches on deck coaching me. That's a great, that's great to use those again, nice resources, having the pool there, having, having the coaching time. Uh, you have been so gracious with your time because you are chatting during race week. I would love to hear just a little bit about your, your rough schedule for how, how you approach this week. Um, because are you, are you still taking classes even online? I mean, it is still something you have to do. So are you taking classes? When do you head up to Tempe? Uh, yeah, so I have classes. They're online in, ter- in the sense that like they're asynchronous. So I can just I just have due dates for the work and I can do it whenever I want, which is probably an athlete's dream, I guess you would say, because I can do it whenever I can plan my naps when I, I don't have a class schedule. So that's really nice. And I can obviously do the classes when I'm there as well. So I think we had a Thursday around midday. Um, and then there's like the banquet dinner thing at night. And then Friday we'll do some pre-race stuff I don't really know what exactly we'll do considering that there's no court oh yeah there's no bike course recon for nationals I guess I didn't say that but oh, they don't allow it there's no like yeah because they can't close the road so okay yeah so maybe we'll try and drive around it or something I don't really know but yeah just pretty normal pre-race day and then Saturday we don't race till two something so yeah, that'll be nice. It'll be a chill morning until we head out to the course. Yeah. Do you like that? I did that in Milwaukee. I did a 4 p.m. start, which is the first time I've done that because um, I don't come from that world triathlon background. But do you like an afternoon start? What, how do you how do you structure your day when you're when you have an afternoon start? Um, yeah, I've, I've had to get used to it lately. I feel like my first year in the sport last year, I didn't really have a lot of later afternoon starts. Even when I was racing in Europe over the summer, I thought I'm pretty sure they were like for the most part in the morning. Um, and then this year, suddenly it felt like everything was in the afternoon at like 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, but yeah, I have gotten used to it. It is a bit nicer though when you go to Europe and do it because you're still a bit jet lagged. So you just sleep really late and then go race. Um, but yeah, I just wake up, do a shakeout run, um, eat like a light first breakfast and then just kind of sit around and wait until it's three hours before the race. And then I eat my white rice with banana. All right. Then, white rice with banana. Go t- then I know it's go time. Yeah. Yeah. That was like so similar. I had, oh, I like normally eat oatmeal three hours before a race start. So it was, I was like, okay, 1 PM I'm making oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it is trying to keep things as standardized as possible. Um, in case any of our listeners happen to be in Tempe this weekend, do you have any spectator tips uh, for, for on-course spectators? I, 
I do not. I've heard there's a bridge where you can see everything really well. Um, but yeah, I would not be the person to ask for that. Um, okay, I'm I not familiar that. with Tempe at all. I mean, having raced Ironman in Arizona there, been there, I, the bridges are pretty cool. Like the, there are some bridges. I haven't specifically looked at the course, but with all those loops, I'm sure there'll be like some good cheer zones. Do you have a special cheer that, you know, that you like people to yell at you? Um, no, I don't really have anything in particular. Um, Go Lydia. Always, <laughs> my coaches always come up with something strange to yell at us. So that's always Just fun. Like, go, to see what... go feisty Lydia. Um, what about online? Is there a way to follow online? I should, I should know this. I should look it up, but, um, I mean, I don't know officially, Arizona? but okay. yeah, we'll have a live stream on our Instagram account, Arizona triathlon. So that's definitely an easy way to follow along. One of our right. student managers will be doing that. So excellent. Yeah. We love him. He better do a good job now that I've told people about it. Yeah, I know. We will make sure we'll link to that uh, Instagram account in our show notes and make sure that uh, all of our listeners are cheering you on following the race, the fierce racing. I mean, it sounds like anything could happen. Um, you know, everything is so new and that's exciting and it's exciting that you're part of it, but thank you so much for, for all the work you do editing the show, but then thank you as well for coming on and, and talking more about your, your first ever collegiate triathlon national championship. We wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be on the show. In case you want to follow Lydia and all the NCAA triathlon action this weekend, uh, the B heat starts at noon on Saturday and the A heat is following at 2 15 PM. And I think Alyssa going into the championship weekend, the top three ranked division one teams are the champion Queens University and the University of San Francisco but it'll be fun to watch and see if other schools like Lydia's Arizona Wildcats University or that new program at TCU can mix things up a bit and on the division two side I think the issues of Lenore Ryan and Wingate though Colorado Mesa was in the mix last year so we'll see how that plays out and in division three North Central College looks to defend their title from 2022 and I I think they've actually won like six national titles as well. So definitely a heavy favorite in, uh, in that race or not. I also have another fun fact. Um, I think you remember our conversation with Delaware state head coach, Hannah Loftus and athlete Chara Hines earlier this year. And I am happy to report Dell state will be sending five athletes to nationals. So Ooh. you can watch for them in Tempe this weekend as well. Oh, that's awesome. Good luck, Lydia. Good luck to all the women out there racing. That is going to be Really exciting. And spoiler alert, Haley, we will be doing a kind of wrap up episode of how it all goes down next week, um, which should be really fun. And for our very astute listeners listening, you may have noticed that Haley was solo on the interview today, and I will be doing the wrap up solo on the interview side. And I think, you know, that is something where we talked a little bit after the last season of podcasting of how we can improve, how we can change things and keep it kind of fresh and good for our listeners. And some of the feedback I feel like we have always received and kind of always felt like ourselves was that the interviews sometimes, I don't know, I don't want to say that we lack depth because I do think we had plenty of depth in our interviews, but sometimes I feel like there were opportunities for follow-up questions or just to, I don't know, take a different tangent or something, but because we are balancing two podcasters and one interviewee it's tough to do when you're all doing it virtually so let us know what you think of us doing solo interviews do you think it adds more to the interviews do you hate it and you want Haley and I back and forth ping-ponging the interviews 
great thing to send into our currently empty mailbag. And you can let us know exactly how you feel about all of that. But um, yeah, for people who have been letting Haley or myself know that through, through time, guess what? This is it. It's gonna, we're gonna take your suggestions and see what happens. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But uh, <laughs> thanks again to Lydia for coming on the show and editing the show. Really appreciate you and best luck. And Alyssa, I will look forward to hearing your chat next week. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.